Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Usually each week we discuss a chapter from the Harry Potter series, but today we're doing something a little different. I'm Bayana. And I'm Robin. Today we're doing another bonus episode. We're talking Asian representation in the Harry Potter series with Proma Kosla. Proma is an entertainment reporter for Mashable in New York City. She performs and teaches Indian dance throughout the tri-state area and makes comedy videos with her writing partner and roommate through Promrad Productions. Prom is an active member of the Harry Potter fandom and has been attending annual conventions since 2006. She joined Mistress Management in 2012 and will be a part of this year's Con of Thrones and LeakyCon Dublin. Her favorite Rizit Rock song is Human Hosepipe, which is a great song. Um, I also want to shout out Prova because she had a part in LeakyCon 2016's ongoing show thing. It was my first LeakyCon and she made it really great. And yeah, Proma is the reason why I like really, really, really love Harry Potter cons. Proma and her little crew, all of them. So welcome Proma. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's the best introduction that we could possibly have had. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. I was like at LeviosaCon, like you guys like strolled in and I was like, oh, I found the cool, the cool crowd. <laughs> Oh, no. Someone mentioned that this weekend because I just went to see them. I went to uh, Rhode Island for Drake on the Malfoy's or Brian Malfoy's house show. And mm -hmm. Claudia Morales mentioned something about, like, thinking I was cool. And I was like, oh, but now you know me. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know the truth. That you're still really cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So really quickly, um, we have some announcements. Um, use the hashtag Wither Team on Twitter to follow along. You can also tag and follow us at We Black and Nerds. Uh, submit to Hogwarts VSU and imagine life as a Black Hogwarts student. If you would like to submit, you can check out the website BlackGirlsCreate.org for the guidelines. Become a Patronus or send us a cheering charm. You can go to BlackGirlsCreate.org/donate, and most of that money right now is going to getting us to LeakyCon Dublin. So because oh man i have some thoughts Leaky Con, we have so Leaky many Con dublin represent yes we're trying to get there really trying we're to do it um and um, if you want to support us but don't have the funds to do so you can rate and review us on itunes subscribe to our newsletter which has recently been curated by deborah winfield um the past month if you'd like to if you'd like to curate a newsletter you can reach out to us Follow us on social media. Um, we're Black Girls Create everywhere except Twitter, where we're at We Black and Nerds. And join our Slack channel, where things get deep and things get random. But guess what? There are two different channels for that. So you can be on the random channel talking random stuff, and then you can be on the Wither Team channel talking about you know the future of house elves and the house elf liberation front. And yeah, both of those things exist in the same place, and you should be a part of it. It's pretty fun. It's really fun. <laughs> Cool. So we don't have any news because uh, it's a bonus episode. And if we have news later, we'll talk about it in the next episode. So, yeah, we're just going to kind of dive in to this discussion um, and just kind of talk about Harry Potter because that's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> we just like talking Potter that's stuff just, with our friends. That's pretty much the whole reason for this podcast. Um, so, Proma, when did you become a Potterhead? Oh, man. So I read the books. I started reading the books in 1999 um, when I was moving. My family was moving from Boston to Michigan. 
And my mom was like, read this book you got for your birthday. And I was like, that looks dumb. Okay, fine. And then, <laughs> and then I literally spent the rest of the trip, like, locking myself in basements and not speaking to my relatives and just, like, finishing this book until my parents were like, what's wrong with you? What's happening? What is this? Um, and I was like, you, no, no, you'll understand. And then I gave them the book. So they were really, they were really supportive from day one, which is cool. Like, they read the story and were like, we're into this also. That's so awesome. about the other books. Well, we bought the next two books and I was like, where's the fourth one? And it didn't exist yet. <laughs> so that was oh, that's kind of a buzzkill. But um, I into fandom in around like 2004. Like for some reason, the Prisoner of Azkaban movie made me go home and like go on the internet. And I found like the Harry Potter fan sites and fan fiction was like the first thing that really got me. And then it was like, and then like the podcast started and cons started and like, it's been 10 years and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. I, um, me and Bayana, we talk about it a lot that we kind of did Harry Potter in a bubble and we didn't even connect as people in the same family. <laughs> um, I mean, we live far away from each other growing up, but we didn't even connect about Harry Potter um, until most of the movies were out. I think probably it was like the sixth book was out. And we were like, oh, you're into this? Yeah. I think I want to <laughs> yeah. say The Order of the Phoenix had just come out. Um, but that's not when we started, like, really. No, I think it is. I think because that really? was, it, it had just come out. And then I remember I came to your house for, like, that okay. or whatever. And that was when we, like, we were, like, we binge watched it in order <laughs> to go see the movie it. again. And we yeah. ended up never even making it to the movie theater because we were, like, also reading the books and also <laughs> watching the movies. And then her mom made us, like, leave the house and go do, like, real people things because she mm. was getting a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, I come from a family of normals who my brother's answer for everything Harry Potter is Dumbledore. And Diana's so. family is a little bit more... They... Like, my family... In, but not... My... I mean, my parents, they don't really... They're just, like, whatever. My dad is a nerd, but just not for Harry Potter. My brother is, like, really contrarian, so he purposefully d- did not read the book and won't read the books because I love them so much because <laughs> that makes I don't know why that makes any sense and then my sister just like she keeps starting it and then she just hasn't gotten into it the same way but she loves the movies and she knows most of them by heart so I don't wow right but we have it. a new we have a new addition to the family and she's four and she has no choice so she's being indoctrinated the way that a child should grow up um which is like two days after she came into the world, I was carrying her around, telling her the story of a baby wizard named Harry. Um, I did that to so my nephew, too. <laughs> I do it to every baby in my family. I'm like, oh, let me, you got the baby? Let me let me tell you about this little boy wizard named Harry Potter. Yep. <laughs> Sink it into your subconscious mm-hmm. as early as possible. It's so great. Um, yeah, so, but we had our own, like, fandom of two and then started to get into cons and stuff and like I did my like year of yes um and love yosa con was that last year I feel like um yeah was the first time that I'd gone to a Harry Potter con and I spoke and um met you guys and stuff and then I was hooked and then I was like wait that's crazy because Leviosa and and Vegas and 2016 that was mine and Hannah's 10-year like anniversary of the first time <laughs> we went to Lumos in 2006 and that's when we like met yeah for the first time in person so we were like yeah let's go back and celebrate so that's so cool that that was your first one that was my first one yeah so we've been like I think I love hearing about people that have been in the fandom since like the earlier 
days and they can like tell us about how it's like morphed and grown and <laughs> all the weird like internal like I was at Leaky Cod and I was like oh I'm learning some dirt about like, just like wizard rock and stuff that like I didn't yeah. know because I was often like the sidelines like watching from the internet mostly for me but, it's yeah, just like so... I used to be so dumb <laughs> and I'm still so dumb but in like different ways yeah so did you always feel like, I mean, I think that there's a, there's like a, there's a step that you take, right? So I've like, I kn- I knew about the fan sites and I would like, I was kind of hipstery and I was like, I don't read fan fiction cause that's not canon. <laughs> Excuse you. Mm-hmm. Like I'll read like, I would read some of the like, you know, like personal essays about how people felt about things. So I was like, I will not read a fake story written by a fake JK Rowling. Um, I've since changed my tune fan fiction is amazing <laughs> but um I think that you have to take a like there's a step there right between sites and reading stuff and then being like actively a part of it so what made you like take that step and like go to cons and like be more active um so for going to cons it was it was um around 2005 like summer fall 2005 is when MuggleCast and Pottercast both started and at that point like I was reading MuggleNet and the Leaky Cauldron every day. It was like peak Potter. Like we were getting so close to the last book. Half the Prince had just come out. So those podcasts came out and it was just, it took hold of the fandom in a way like nothing really had before. Like in the way that there were fans, there were sites, there was fan fiction, there's all these things. But that was, and a lot of people I knew, that was a unifying aspect. That was a place where you could say like, and I guess Wizard Rock already had this, but but just even I've talked to Wizard Rockers like, convention and podcast culture gave it gave everyone this rallying point of just like be in this place be in this room at this time all together and we'll talk about this thing we love together so when I found out that those both of those podcasts were going to be at Lumos I already wanted to go to Lumos um but I found out they were all going and then I was like I like really tried to convince my parents like talk to my mom I was like I'm saving my birthday money for registration and like I think it had sold out too so I was on the wait list and then she was like if you get off the wait list like your cousin wants to go she can be your chaperone and I got off the wait list in the end actually my cousin couldn't go so my mom came with me and she like went to programming and stuff and had a great time because she's also like an academic and loves Harry Potter so that was the step in going and participating in fandom and like being at the cons and then I found a friend group that I really really loved and it was just so easy for us to be together it's like what people describe their like college friends and college roommates as which I also have but I it's weird because I knew that feeling when I was like 15, 16 through the fandom. And then, yeah, the impetus to take the next step and like get involved in the community side of it was kind of a fluke. Like in 2012, LeakyCon needed a volunteer coordinator and Melissa and Ellie by then had just seen my face so much at cons <laughs> that she was like, that's a, that's a person who exists who's probably going to be around anyway. <laughs> Pulled me in and I got Olivia and like Hannah and we just kept, you know, we just mm-hmm. took over. ruined everything (laughs) made everything awesome um so did you always feel like going to lumos did you feel immediately like a part of the fandom and like you were meant to be there and there wasn't any kind of barrier because you know we've talked about like just the demographics of the fandom in general for people of color it's kind of that there's a barrier a little bit um just walking in you know which is something that like i i really I'm upset with myself about because I always like kind of perceive that but then once you get there it's not like that at all but like did you feel that when you first got in like 
you know, I didn't. And part of this, I think, is just, like, at that age, I wasn't, like, aware. I wasn't thinking about those things, really. That part of my brain hadn't totally been switched on. And my friend group happened to be kind of diverse. Like, I was there with, there was another Indian girl. We had an Asian girl. And, like, our, like, squad was probably, you know, there was six or eight of us at that con, I think. Um, And it was a mix. And it was just, like, exciting to be with everyone. Um, I would say that if I noticed a division, it's, it appeared more gradually in the later years. And that was very much the division between like the big name fans and like those of us who were just attending. Like it was weird to be like, I am a fan of this fan. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And it worked for a while. And then there are obviously like, you know, there were some holes in that system, which we have since (laughs) plugged up as it were. But that was the most like, that was the biggest disparity I've noticed at any point, but I didn't feel like, I, so I felt a barrier of just like, oh, I'm not a creator or I'm not, I don't have a website or something like that, which is, which makes sense at a convention. Like, no, like I don't, I shouldn't, I, well, no, not really. At the time I was like, fine, like that makes sense. I don't have a website. I shouldn't be on a panel. And now I'm like, no, I have thoughts, put me on a panel, which is nice that we can do that now. And I think that's always how the programming side of it was, but I just like, Again, I was in my like weird little world. Yeah. Cool. Right. Um, so just kind of like moving on. I mean, I guess it all stems back to fandom um, either way, but just like kind of moving more into like the content. How have you felt about the more like recent um, additions to the wizarding world? Well, Robin knows how I feel about a uh, certain <laughs> play. <laughs> oh, I we were like really upset because so Bayana moved to Chicago, which our listeners know, but she wasn't able to go to LeakyCon. And when I like found out that they were going to be on the anti-Cursed Child panel, basically, <laughs> there was one before that was kind of, there was like a pro and anti-Cursed Child panel that were kind of back to back. And I was like, I'm so ready. I have so many thoughts. Like I'm sitting in the front row. Cause, and they're like, you're a unicorn. You went to see it. And you, and I was like, well, Bayana didn't. <laughs> I mean, we felt, very similar. <laughs> well, what was really cool for me, this is like, side note, but just like, I think it's one of the most awesome things about this fandom and about LeakyCon is that we can do that. Like, we can yeah. have those panels back to back in the same room of like loving and hating this like new piece of the Wizarding World. So that was pretty awesome. And like, they're all like, everyone yeah. on that panel was friends of mine. So I like, we joked about fighting, but we didn't actually fight. Uh, Promo walked into the panel chanting, let's fight, let's fight. <laughs> And I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to sit in because I have all of the thoughts. Um, (laughs) It was was great. I thought it was great. And I think that um, to get back to like having you answer the question, but I think the respect between fans who disagree about kind of the new stuff, I think that's been really like nice for me to see because there have been like disagreements. And I, I think it is very... Obviously, I get very emotional about everything, but I think that it is kind of emotional to certain people. Yeah, it was it was hard for me in the beginning when, like, right after the script came out, because I've never disagreed with Harry Potter fans on the most basic level of loving the content. Like, we're all there because we love the content. We have, like, little problems, you know, with the books, and, like, everyone has their different deals with the movies, but we were all there because we love the story. And in this case, I was like, I don't love the story. I profoundly dislike it so for a little while it was hard and I felt like I was in a minority of having that opinion too but to go back to the content itself um, 
Curse Child, just like I I mean, you mentioned fan fiction, Robin. There is some really great fan fiction, and this was worse than that, in my opinion. Like yes. it felt <laughs> as someone who like works with story a lot, like I watched a shit ton of can I swear on this one? Oh yeah, you can like, do it. Oh yeah. I watched I watch empirically a shit ton of television and film for my job and also just because I love that. So like I'm very very attuned to what you know writing and story and these narrative elements and it's you know it is a play it's meant to be played and seen as a play and all of that but I was just reading it as a story and like the dialogue and stuff and I was like I don't like this and then the worst for me like I mean bring it to the subject of our episode was like when we got um in one of those timelines we got Ron and Padma like Patil and I was so stoked about it for a second (laughs) I mean obviously like Ron and Hermione forever and then they took it away and they gave them a son with a fake name angry like I just read the book I wrote in my book and so I just circled it and I was like excuse me like WTF (laughs) no so that was frustrating yeah I want to go into um a little bit of the the original content because at Leviosa Khan you're on the intersectional panel that I did and you blew my mind talking about the Patels and um the movie and how ugly their outfits were God. And my, like, when they came out, I don't even know how old I was. I was like, look at them showing, like, how, like, you can rock, like, traditional dress and look awesome. And then here comes someone from that, like, culture being like, that shit was terrible. I know. So I, yeah, when that scene came out in the movie, it was such a mixed feeling because I was like, I thought it was cool, yeah, that they're wearing Indian clothes. But then I was like, where in the hell did you find such horrible outfits? Like, my mother was next to me and she was like, like, clutching her chest and we still like there's people Indian people are still so pissed about this there was a BuzzFeed India article like last year about that was like never forget the injustice of these outfits and it's just like a lot of circling them in like Microsoft paint and being like no why please they're really ugly it's just like really ugly colors it's a very unflattering fit and Indian clothes like whenever you wear something that formal like I would wear something like that let's say to like to a wedding tailored like you get everything tailored fully and exactly which is why your clothes stop fitting after like two months um, and so it's like just awful colors, poorly fitting. Um, the way they like draped the scarf over their bodies was weird too. The, just and the color inversion too. I was like, they're ugly clothes to begin with. You inverted them. Like you don't have to. Identical twins don't dress the same all the time, which is a weird thing right. that happens in the Harry Potter universe and never with tw- identical twins I've met. Yeah. Well, also in the in the movies, like they're not identical and they're oh, in the same remotely. house. So like it's like the Patel like the Patel disrespect is is real I think even it's from so real. I actually I, I mentioned this uh, last night to Hannah and Olivia I had forgotten about it but in my teen fandom years I like entertained the idea of starting a wizard rock band even though I I play the viola which is really more about blending in than like finding your own voice. <laughs> I was like I want to start a wizard rock band it'll be the Patel twins and it'll just be me which is funny. Because, like, that was the thing, too, was you would have a band with a plural name but be one person. And I wrote a song where the only line I remember of it is um, Hogwarts' second favorite identical siblings. Pretty in second place. Like, Fred and George just won. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we don't, like, I think they mention them, like, during the sorting in the first book. But then you don't even know that, that Parvati has a twin until, like, Gobble the fire like it doesn't when get she's like oh yeah you remember my 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 twin sister the ravenclaw oh yeah yeah like, she is i mean they are 
they are introduced as twins. I think it's very interesting how um, little we see of Ravenclaw in the books until Deathly Hallows at all. Like, there's, I, I, I was always so fascinated by it, too, because I thought that that's the house I would be in when I was younger. So they just never have class, which is crazy. Like, yeah. when does Barbara get to see her sister? Dinner. <laughs> Breakfast and dinner. They eat porridge they together. Eat porridge together, yep. <laughs> so another um, thing about the twins, are they the only South Asian characters we have that are explicitly South Asian yes. in the books, I believe? And then we have Cho Chang, who is, we don't even know, do they, does she say that if she's, she says Asian, I think, I don't know if we know. I think she's, she's I think she's, um, I read an article about this when, I don't know, this was, there's a really long, I think it was a Vox article that was like going in on Chris Child and went into history, mm-hmm. and I love that. Um, I believe Cho is supposed to be Chinese, but the critique Chinese. in the, yeah, I think the critique in the article was that um, her last name would be Korean. Right. Uh, yeah, which I, I mean, I can't. To speak to that and I wish I'd done a little bit of research I thought we would have Sandra here but <laughs> me too she was supposed to be here but she wasn't able to we'll get her on a podcast at another time but she does um, a really cool website called heroinetraining.org and if you would like to level up your life with some fandom behind it like you can check that out um, so that's Zandra. Um she was gonna help us speak to Cho Chang, but we're just gonna do our best. No, we're, all just <laughs> like, our... we're all just treading water. I think, but um, maybe I was. this was a panel with you, Robin, where we talked about this, where in the UK especially, and for the most part, we're given reason to believe that our um, Hogwarts students are from Britain and Ireland. Mm-hmm. And especially in Britain and like in England, around the London area, there's so many immigrants, so many. like first and second generation. So that was, yeah, it's, it wasn't until someone pointed it out to me again last year. Like, I'm still getting used to having these, able to get mad about this. Or I was like, oh, yeah, there's, like, when I go to the UK, there's loads of Indian people. There's, like, whole neighborhoods where I feel like I'm in India. You're telling me none of these people are magical? Yeah, two of them. Just two. Just two. two. Just two um, that are the same. Yep. That are the same. Yeah, <laughs> interchangeable. So another question I guess I have is, kind of going off of that, right? So you read and reread these books a bunch, but reading Cursed Child and then, I don't know, being a part of the fandom and I don't know the last time that you've reread the original text. Um, how has your understanding and um, relationship with the Asian representation in the series and in the world changed? Through like that's your a, whole, that's, that's a big question, but you know. Yeah. No, that's a really good question because um, I've thought about this a lot over the past like year plus or even since like since doing media studies in college where the thing about Asian representation and I don't want to speak for like a whole continent, but I think I'm mostly mostly there with this is that um, when it comes to Asian representation in particularly in Western media for a long time, the goal or just the victory was in visibility. So like my dad loves Temple of Doom, which is the most racist things <laughs> for Indian people but at the time it was just oh my god we're there like we are on TV, TV. We exist. Sorry, on, yeah mm-hmm. after in this like what a what a joy what a victory we've made it I'm so proud of like Amrish Puri for like e- eating someone's heart or whatever he was doing <laughs> in that movie um and that happened for a long time like um I wrote a whole thing about this because Aziz Ansari made his 
um, Indians on TV episode on Master of None, which begins it's with that so montage of like great. It begins with all these like really kind of offensive roles for Indians, but all of those when I saw like when I saw Haji on Johnny Quest, I was like, oh my god, like that's <laughs> one of my friends probably, um, you know, like one of our own. So reading Harry Potter was wonderful because I was like I love this world and I care so much about these characters and I could be in there like I could those twin girls like that could be me that could be some one of my friends so the visibility meant a lot and now I'm able to we're lucky with Harry Potter that like I don't feel really offended by anything except those horrible outfits (laughs) like go back so in rereading it which I've done this past year I can be a little more critical of just like I just wish that I could see more of them um but it's just it's also kind of the vantage point we have of seeing things through Harry or um, who his friends are because he only has two friends. Yeah, so I think, yeah, the shift is essentially from visibility to representation and not just like Asian person in the story, but now I want to see their story as well. Right. We talked about this with Mark um, Oshiro, who is a part of your awesome super cool friend group. Um, so when you guys go to comms, you can see them like in a pack of like awesomeness and I'm just like trailing <laughs> along like, hi guys. Um, sorry to completely embarrass you but we talked about this when he was on the podcast too about not just having the visibility but then having representative and also like realistic which for me that realization came with um, Serafina Pickery and Fantastic Beast which was like I think like black Brits are kind of similar with African-Americans in in the way of which you can have um, a pretty like diverse set of backgrounds and it makes sense like I don't feel I didn't feel like Dean Thomas or or Lee Jordan were like stereotyped in any way but they also didn't they weren't like explicitly there was no explicit like black British experience that only they would have you know like that wasn't in there but it didn't feel be, uh, like you said, because it's we're going through Harry's eyes and his three friends, it didn't feel like um, a slight in any way. But then when Fantastic Beasts came out and they were doing all this promotion of Serafina Pickery, and I started like just doing the math and like listening to like what she was saying, which is that okay, this African American woman from Southern Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, in the 1920s was able to become the president of the United Magical United states like mm-hmm. how like beyond racism sexism like you know like just like all of the like intersectional ways in which that just wouldn't happen yeah um, that's that's so interesting to me because it suggests that the wizarding world um does exist in a vacuum which it kind of does in harry potter but this was a different time it's and it's different in the states where they are supposed to be in more of a bubble but the suggestion like i think it's kind of adorable that we're supposed to believe that the wizarding world was just so post-race and post-gender at that time like mutual respect and kinship i don't know yeah yeah they all wizards saw each other with mutual respect and kinship regardless of race and we're supposed to believe that Mm -hmm. even though they there is also a higher like percentage of muggle-borns in america so like how do those two things i mean also the fact that they like went over to america in the first place knowing (laughs) that there were and other people who lived there and still were like, yeah, we'll just sided with the colonists. Just, yeah, <laughs> you know, we'll just stay here. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And like, um, or if they did, if they do really, like if wizards really do think that way that well, 
and progressively at the time, I would love to know more about that. Like, how did they maintain those beliefs and this idea of equality and preserve that for years, but then still have this like complex about wizard versus muggle? Like that, ugh, this is the stuff I want, Pottermore. Um, yes, we, um, <laughs> yes, less BuzzFeed articles, more in-depth discussions about the, like, social societal impacts of rate of American racism on the American muggle or wizarding society would be great. Um, so I, but one of the things that came, that came from that though, for me was that, um, and I think maybe it's a function of also the stuff coming up out now that we're older and like I'm walking through the world no, realizing that like even though I am magical and I like to, <laughs> to believe that I, you know the cons and stuff are like to me it's like our wizarding world it's like going to Hogwarts and then you go back to the muggle world but um how that stuff like how isolated can you actually be to not be touched by like systems that big. And I think my, my question to you is, is the newer stuff like the Madame Yaozu like thing and, um, and Fantastic Beast and they're still not really being much diversity. And we only have the first book, so, you know, or the first movie, sorry, out of five. So we have to be also cognizant of that. But like, how is that, how, how, is, how have your, I guess, Potter morals and like beliefs um, handled the newer stuff. Yeah, that's interesting because um, as you say, we only have the first movie, but obviously it was kind of just to see like, okay, the cast is, again, everyone's white. But also it's, it's interesting because the movies are later, right? Like this is coming mm-hmm. out later, representation and what what fans and audiences not only expect but feel like we feel okay asking for more and asking for better so like I feel like Warner Brothers is responding to like a fandom that existed 10 years ago and that has woken up a lot more since then but at the same time the movies are set earlier so like you said there's this like systemic oppression that was very different in the the 20s than it is now um and yeah like Serafina's interaction there is really I I just don't know I'm so worried about these characters um it's interesting for me because I was like like late 20th century England I'm like yeah of course I can see two Indian girls and there's Asian representation Fantastic Beasts is gonna be five movies that are gonna have not a single Asian face in them except maybe like as a peace offering because we like we did not exist sufficiently at that time for like like I would just like well you existed but (laughs) yeah we existed but like there was like nobody cared like I remember taking American (laughs) history for years before I learned like before we touched upon global studies or anything. And I just, the history was, a th- I mean, we talk about this all the time, everyone, like on Twitter and stuff, like history was just the story of like, and so for years I was learning this and I was like, that's nice. I wonder <laughs> and have a history, like what does this fit in? Like everything, like whether it was, you know, like as early as like the revolutionary war forward to like the civil rights movement. I was like, but I was like, where to, I don't know. <laughs> Where do we fit in? Yeah. So that's, yeah. And I, I mean, mean, Fantastic Beasts will be fine. But I, I also, I mean, I saw the movie once and I enjoyed it, but I have friends who like really got into it and got back into fan theories and are obsessed with the 20s and the jazz days. And just, it's really hard for me, again, to engage with the time period in which I, I don't know where I would fit in. Right. And I feel like one of the kind of problems with like 
the expansion or whatever is that it kind of like replicates the ways that like I don't know just looking at the way that like her like content has spread it spread in a very similar way that like British colonialism spread <laughs> but like also like erases a lot of people I don't know it's like really strange um and I mean I guess we also see that too with like the the wizarding schools and like how they well and the whole the history of um, wizardry in North America was so was problematic horrible. like with just the erasure and invalidation of like native cultures was uh, fundamentally I was just like this seems like kind of a lazy piece of writing and I wish that if you were going to publish this you'd put more time into it instead of just being like let me make some headlines and tweets for Pottermore mm-hmm. right that's well, where Fantastic thing... Beasts could go right. Like they could fully just go with the new canon where maybe wizards have been more respectful of native people and that can like we should definitely like I wish if the Wizarding World again, if the Wizarding World in the twenties is post race, like I wanna see Hispanic people, I wanna see like straight up immigrants and like native people who have made it and survived as wizards. Like that would be so cool. I would also like to think that so I read um Re- like my favorite piece of fanfic because probably because it was like the first piece of fanfic that I actually went into like okay this is supposed to be really good and you know it's called The Survivor and it's about um, Remus in the 80s with the AIDS epidemic coming up but also dealing with like the loss of like the Potters and you know what it means like now that the war is over it's so good and it is so emotional but there's a there's a section where he's in Diagon Alley and it's kind of or in Nocturne Alley and it's kind of unveils like beyond like oh this is where the dark wizards are it's like this is where like squibs live that don't fit into the you know muggle world fully but also aren't fully allowed into the magical world because you know you grow up in a you grew up knowing this stuff and then you're supposed to what you don't have any magic so you just give it up um and there is a section where he is in like the gay neighborhood of London and he sees I think Amelia Bones or one someone else and she was like the the erasure of homosexuals in the wizarding world but also because of the underground cult culture of like the underground homosexual muggle world like it's a great place to fit and find yourself and feel more open because they're already used to accepting weirdos Um, so she was like out at a club in her like wizarding robes because it's Soho in, you know, London, (laughs) like who, like how odd does she actually look, you know? So she was like telling him kind of that this is a good place to be as much of your full self as you could be. Um, while, you know, but so like taking that back is like, if, like you said, like there wasn't this racial and class distinctions in the wizarding world in America at that time, then did they adopt like Indian people that didn't feel fully, uh, you know, like maybe they weren't magical, but like, here's a place that you could be yourself. Um, or I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about like what that underground would be like. Um, yeah. I mean, I do, I really do like the idea of a wizarding world in which those things don't matter. That I mean, considering that Voldemort is like, like a crazy racist I mm-hmm. I can't imagine that being the truth but that, I mean that's what I like about I'm gonna make a reference Hamilton is like <laughs> when the first time so I'm like I have not seen it and I haven't listened to the full soundtrack because I'm just like 
too good. Like it was too much to do at once, but I'm making my way through it. I'm going to see it in a couple months. But when I first saw oh my God, so you're first love ex- it, my first exposure to it was when they did the Grammys last year and they mm-hmm. did the whole opening number. And I was like, I was shocked by how much it affected me because it's just, I mean, it's a great piece of art fundamentally, but looking at it and watching that cast, I was like, oh, I love this because this is not necessarily like reimagining history in that way. I was like, this is how the world would look and these like casting stories like this would look if we had done it right. Yeah. If we hadn't made mistakes in history. And that was so fascinating to me and so much more thrilling to watch than like most things ever. Right. Um, so I guess another, I feel like I'm like talking a lot, but, uh, I, I feel like one of the things is that I've, I loved talking to you about is how you, you see these things in the wizarding world and how you can like know what should have happened versus what did happen, but like be able to articulate both of those things. Did that make any sense? Did what I was that even English? What I just said. It sounded nice. <laughs> I think okay. So I think what I'm trying to say is like you are very like. Sometimes I feel like I get so emotionally tied that I'm not able to like separate. Okay, this is what is on the page, and let's deal with that. And versus this is like what I would like to see. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like you're very, you're very good at articulating like those two things and then trying to figure out the bridge to get from where we're at to what we would like to see. Um, so can you do that? Like for us in, <laughs> in a way, like where we're at and then what sure. we would so, like to see. I mean, I can definitely take a, take a shot at it. Um, I think this goes back to what I said about the visibility versus representation. And I think that is, this is something that, like that is very different across minorities um, in the United States in particular, where where Indian and East Asian representation or South Asian and East Asian, Asian representation in general (laughs) is versus where like black or Hispanic representation is, is very different, I think. And so like, we're still like, I'm still a lot of the time, I'm kind of just like, oh, look at that, look at that Indian guy and that thing. Like I wrote up a trailer for work this week of a show I've never seen. And I saw an Indian guy and I was like, and add you to the like list of people who I'm mentally like, you know, egging on in their careers. Um, so it's still it. I still have that gut check, and I think that's why I'm kind of because I'm still just at the point very much of like we're lucky to even be here and like in the story. Um, did I did I kind of answer your question? I repeat yeah. myself a bit. Um, yeah. So I think like we were talking about um in the in one of our panels like the first person or the first like character that like you really got excited about in terms of like and I think Mark said something like Pepula or not Pepula to you the one of the 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 speedy Gonzalez was like really informative to him and I think you said like Jasmine from the Lion King and like Aladdin Aladdin. what did I yep Listen, guys, let me cut that We know out. what you meant. It's fine. <laughs> I guess that that to me is like, that is kind of what I was trying to go from. Like the bridge of seeing yourself and being connected to Jasmine from Aladdin makes sense. Um, 
when Aladdin came out, the age that yeah. you were, and also, like you said, like the representation that is available. But now, like, where do you, like, how do we get from, I don't want like the next promo growing up to be like, Jasmine from Aladdin, that's what I got. You know what I mean? Like, and how do you, and how do we as fans and potential creators, like, start to move in that direction so that you're not yeah. like eyeing and, you know, getting your life from like the Asian guy in the corner. Yeah, totally. That's an awesome question too. Um, I, so like we mentioned, I, my roommate and I have been making um, kind of like right now, it's kind of just like fun videos, the two of us. Um, but we're also like, we, like I've written a pilot, we write some, like we're working on a feature and stuff like that. And as we do our videos, we've been thinking a lot in terms of casting. We actually made this rule for ourselves. We haven't even had an opportunity to follow it yet. Cause we've just been shooting stuff with just the two of us, but where whenever we, we wrote a pilot for a competition and we had two other characters in it. So we're like, here's the fun rule. Let's have whenever we have other characters besides us, try to have them in terms of like, I think it was race, sexuality or gender. So that there was just always a mix. And it doesn't, I personally was kind of struggling with it. Cause I was like, is this tokenism? But also it reflected very much our friend group. I was like, mm -hmm. realistically, like, yeah, we would be going to tea with like a gay man and a black girl. Like, that's one of the things we're working on right now. Um, and sometimes, yeah, like sometimes my, like my friend group might just look like a bunch of straight Indian people and that's happened. But what do we do to just make it more, that feeling that I had watching the Hamilton clip of just like, this is so cool seeing all these different people together. I really wanted to chase that and want to bring that to life for other people. So in my, I went back in my pilot and kind of tried to like play with different characters and their backgrounds as well. So I think that it's important for us to, for those of us who are creators and writers, to write, write your own story. First of all, your your story is never invalid. And we have, especially as minorities, we have this idea that, like, I was talking to our director about this recently um, for work. I was interviewing her, and she said that you kind of internalize this idea that if you tell a story about yourself and your in-group, that it's less valid. Like... And I know so many friends who are in and stuff who feel like if I make a movie about a bunch of Indian people, I am not as successful as if I make a movie about like a bunch of white people, like a more mainstream movie. They feel like actor friends who feel less successful if they play a guy named Nikhil than a guy named like Dave, um, which is we really have to shake that mindset. And, and that sounds like white supremacy in action, right? Because like they're telling like friends the tv show like they're telling someone is telling the story of them and their in-group and so why is that mainstream whereas exactly. you know what i mean like so I, even even having that thought is like white supremacy and i and i, and I don't want to discount it because i think it is real right yeah obviously it's real but, you and feel it's, it but it, yeah it hurts me to hear my friends say that when they're like no i don't want to play an india guy i want to play a regular guy i'm like what are you saying listen to what you've just <laughs> right. said you're not not regular like and your story is as valid and there's different shades of it too like I have Indian friends who are first generation like me who are very in touch with their culture culture who are like constantly referencing like Bollywood songs from the 40s that I've never even heard of and like stuff like that and then 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 people who aren't as engaged with it and that's valid that can be the story that you write but there's not we also can agree that there's not like one version of it we should have as rich and varied a cat like an archive or that's what I'm looking for a library of stories to choose from as majority groups. So yeah, tell your story and your truth, write characters like yourself, and then reach out, like 
reflect your friend group, reflect other people you know, ask about them, like do the research. It's really cool to do. I was talking to my friend on Friday. She's mixed race. She's like half Indian, half American. A pilot where the main girl was Indian and I wrote a pilot where the main girl was mixed. (laughs) So we were like, we should really just like sit down and talk. But the fact that we had done that, that we had immediately flipped it and just kind of taken this interest in each other's experiences was really cool to me. I think it's also great to, um, when we were trying to, because we wanted to do this episode about Asian representation, and that is so large of a like thing to tackle, right? So it's like, well, we, we I was like, I know Proma, but she's South Asian. We need <laughs> Asian. And then it also feels like you said, like kind of like tokenism and like are we checking off all the boxes, but also like, I don't have the experiences that you have, you know? And so I talked to someone and asked her if she wanted to be on it. And she was like, well, I don't really feel that Asian. And I was like, that's interesting because you are obviously Asian. She's mixed, but like, that is something that we should talk about. Like you should totally be on this episode and we can talk about like how you don't feel Asian or you don't, that isn't something that like speaks to you when it is ostensibly a part of who you are. Um, And I think even just like, my relationship with like Bayana is like growing up in a predominantly white space and having like no um like community that was you know like teaching me certain things and getting schooled by my younger cousin who's you know darn near a decade younger than me about like do you know bell hooks do you know octavia butler and i'm like who are these people right like i'm i'm in college and she's like telling this high schooler telling me like have you read octavia butler and i'm like i don't even know what that is you know so even those like yeah we check off the same boxes but like our lived experiences are different yeah Um, and i think it's important that even like when you include people in those discussions and you're trying to get different races sexualities and genders in there it's it isn't just like you feel like you're checking off boxes, but at the same time, like that inclusion is so important. Like let's, yeah, let's check off the boxes. Let's bring everyone in here and have like a big round table discussion. I, I guess one of the things like, let's, let's kind of go into back into like Harry Potter and the wizarding world is um, what do you want to see more of in the wizarding world? And like, who do you want to hear more about that? Like either people that we know or you know we we have I think the only Asian wizarding school in in Pottermore right now is is the Japanese school whose name I can't remember which like like mm, sure like (laughs) three three schools in Europe one school in Asia (laughs) and then I think like they don't even mention like they just call it the Japanese school and I think it's supposed to be pretty small yeah, I was so sure. irritated about that. I was like, Indian people love to study. What are you gonna you how are you gonna not give us a school? <laughs> I mean, who uh, knows? Maybe at some point she'll write about the other like five that she hasn't yet, but yeah, still. she'll like remember. And it still doesn't yeah. even make sense that like they're so spread out and there's only eleven. And so it's like, okay, so where do all these people Yeah? Well then she, I mean like, I would love the distinction that those are the eleven that are like they're kind of the Ivy League of wizarding schools and they're the accredited ones, which is again, like that's just not... a, a, another, that, that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> like, oh, so the, like where the majority of people go to school is just like these podunk schools or whatever. Oh, I can't yeah. wait for her. I would love for her to just like suddenly remember the Indian school and write about it. And for me to just like pick the whole thing apart. <laughs> <I'm> like, wait. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I would love for, if looking at Fantastic Beasts, like, I would just love to see more representation of all the different um, cultures that were present in the United States at that time. Like, we have, like, Mark has talked about this a lot for Harry Potter. Like, there's just, like, no Latinx people. And that's, like, come on. Just be better. Yeah. Because um, right now, like, if you put... You about- if you put um, Fantastic Beasts next to, like, the original movies right now, like, to, let's say, Goblet of Fire, which has the most, um, in general, I think, representation, like, if you, like, Fantastic Beasts is not doing, is just not doing it, and those movies did well for their time, and even now, like. Right. It's, like, to the point where, like, people noticed it, and they were like, hey, look, we have this Black woman, and we have this Chinese woman who, and, like, she's in two seconds, and then her name isn't even real um but they like like hey look we have these like two women of color who are in this movie now right. come see and it they, and they did a huge like marketing was, push but i haven't even mentioned but i should give some credit for the fact that not only were they present but the asian characters in goblet of fire were like clearly desirable which is wonderful like as an indian girl who had a mustache at that age i'm like <laughs> yes the prettiest girls in the year go like <laughs> And the fact that like Harry had a crush on Cho, I was like, yes, good, good job, good, good boy. <laughs> right. Um, so when you think about like getting more of it and like more um, like the or I guess the characters, you know, like like having Cho be not really considered the prettiest. I think it was it was kind of like Lavender and Pavardi are the cool kids. I'm saying that name wrong. Yes. Oh, uh, for everyone listening, you can see my pinned tweet, but um, it's Parvati. So the first syllable is the strong one. Parvati. 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 I say like every time I'm like, Proma says that I'm doing this wrong, and then I will, I will (laughs) butcher it. Just Um, for for both of them, it's the first syllable, Parvati, Padma. Padma. Um, And I think. I was going to talk about this in general. Um, it's funny because, like, for American English, your default setting with the with the letter A is to pronounce it the short way, like in cat. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you, but a lot of people see an Indian name and they assume it's like a really long ah sound. And most of the time with Indian names, like a majority of the time, it'll be a short, like an mm-hmm. uh, or ah. Like, so we literally have par, ba, the, bud, ma. Like, those are the sounds we love for A. Everyone, write that down. Keep that in your pocket when you're discussing these. Reference um, my pinned tweet if you're confused. Yeah, go back I'm to never, never changing it. At promo what up on Twitter and first thing there, just <laughs> keep it fresh in your mind. Um, but yeah, so having like lavender and poverty. No, that's poverty. That sounds bad. No, no. Yeah, still say the R. You're trying to be British at the same time, which is hard. I don't even know how British people would say that correctly. You get both. (laughs) Her name is not poverty. Okay, um, but having them be the cool girls, and then having Cho be at least desirable enough and pretty enough that like both. Harry, our main character, yeah. who we see the story from, an who does Harry have girls a, like Harry has a type running. Yeah, Harry does, does totally have the type. So does Hermione, actually. Um, for someone <laughs> who good, isn't really into Quidditch, Quidditch, like she likes, yeah, and then she ends up with a mediocre Quidditch player, but still, um, it's unfortunate, unfortunate. But like to see like 
so Cho is an athlete, but Harry is our main character. And then Cedric is like, you know, big man on campus. And so that's who they both um, asked to the Yule Ball, even though Harry has all these girls, he's like going around behind him. Um, <laughs> I, I never thought about that until you said, it. it's you know, like, yeah, they're the prettiest ones. They're not the, you know, Molson Bolstrodes of the of the Wizarding World. Yeah, right? not even like explicit, like pretty, like Parvati and Padma are explicitly designed or designed, described as pretty by like Seamus or Dean. Um, desirable in general that like Cho, Parvati, Padma, like for them all kind of in that group. Even like Fred asking Angelina is so cool. Like just mm-hmm. like they get it. Yeah. Oh, the Weasleys. I I because. Hermione is also black. Like the Weasleys are really down with the swirl. Like it's just <laughs> throughout the the Weasley sons, you know, me yes. and Charlie, Fred and Angelina. Do we? Can we like? Can we interpret Pen- Penelope Clearwater differently? Yes, we can add her. Yeah, let's do. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have. And then uh, Charlie just loves dragons, so it's fine. No, Which Charlie is- loves me and dragons. <laughs> Every time oh, talks in the okay. words, like every time she plays that song, I'm like, but Charlie loves me. <laughs> I get like irrationally like jealous about this like wizard rock band uh, describing this fictional character who does not like this fictional Hufflepuff, but does like <laughs> dragons. And I'm like jealous. Like, why are you talking about my boyfriend that way? He just didn't want. Oh, you. I love this. I um, didn't know this about you, and I'm so happy to. Know <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> It's why I'm single, because I'm fully committed. I think I married Charlie late, earlier this year. Because you're in love with a boy who only loves his dragons. Yeah. yeah. But he loves me, too. Like, we've worked it out. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I support him. And anyway, let's not delve deep into my neuroses. What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, the fact that, like, they they are... Attractive, desirable, never never, like really landed with me until you just said it. Um, Did you, did you recognize that like right away, even when you were growing up? Because I, you know, I didn't, I think I reread the books a bunch. Like I remember rereading them this summer and I was like tweeting it as I, as I was doing that. I got to Goblet Fire and I was like, I was like, wait, hang on. I was like, the Indian girls are the prettiest in the year. But the funny part, which I really loved and like 140 characters wasn't enough to like dive in on it was I was like they're the prettiest girls in the year but no one asked them yeah right like we talked about that too before. like why why did she did not have your mind? Harry and Ron went with them as like a last resort and I was like oh I was like this also checks out I think like which is a it's a visibility issue I was like and it doesn't like Joe wasn't making any commentary by this where like everyone else is getting asked first and like they're very much being like shallow because they're 14 like Ron's talking about like getting you know all the good ones will be gone and that whole thing um but no one thought like it just didn't register it did not compute with Harry and Ron or with any of the other boys in the year that I can ask these girls Mm-hmm. Um, so like rereading that this summer I was like hmm oh, white boys like <laughs> <laughs> right so it's like it's because that was very much a thing Hold growing on, up and still where I'm like I mean, I don't want to, I feel like when I say stuff like this, I'm like whining and complaining and trying to like blame my race, but I just, I do still 
feel invisible a lot of the time, like at bars yeah. or whatever, two white boys. And see, like the same as it was in high school where I was like, okay, this dance is coming up, but like no one's gonna ask me and my friends, like, come on. Right. I, I mean, and I don't think that that is an unreasonable thing because I was like thinking about it recently too. And it's like the, the, the boys that I like don't like me and then the boys that do like would ask me come at me really froggy in a Harry Potter Ron kind of like, oh, you're here. Okay, you should be happy that I'm even looking at you type of thing. And I'm like, actually, I'm going to sit here with my dog in law and order and be okay. But yeah, I think that that is true. And there's there are certain things about these books that are really present and um, that I don't think were intentional by J.K. Rowling, which is another topic of discussion I think like how she was able to like kind of hit on that without yeah really knowing what I she do was think, doing I do think it also again comes back to visibility and representation like when you have you know kids growing up watching Harry Potter and seeing that like you can be attracted to an Asian girl to a black girl to an Indian girl like that is there's the feedback loop they see that and they internalize that when you grow up like I did watching like the whitest blondest boys on the <laughs> Disney channel you're like that is who is only I want to date <laughs> yes. right um it's so like it's it, it is in what we consume and obviously like on a personal level you are attracted to who to whom you are attracted to but it's yeah it's just very subconscious it's fascinating to me for sure yeah and, and i mean there's nothing wrong with like i actually think it's probably better to recognize that and then per like mentally like check yourself it's the same thing with like implicit bias or whatever it's like you have it it's fine just know that you have it and then move forward with that. Yeah. Diana, you have any, anything to add there? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have anything else other than like, do you have any, like either ones that you came up with or ones that you like read anywhere of like any like cool headcanons that you've read about like Cho or, um, or Par Parvati or Padma or any of the, anyone? So this, um, I'm cringing not because of you or your pronunciation. I'm cringing because the one that, I thought of is my own personal headcanon and a fanfic that I wrote when I was a teen um, where I just straight up wrote myself into Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> so this bit in this version, there are three Indian girls in the class. I am one of them. And I like wrote myself into Harry Ron Hermione's squad. I did that too. <laughs> it's fun to do. Cause then you're like, yeah, I'm in it. And like, cause once you got a taste with the other characters, it's like, okay, I want to be like in the thick of it though. And I want it to be me myself. Mm -hmm. Um, which was, it was fun to do, but then sometimes, like, I read part of it at, I read a scene at LeakyCon, because we did this, like, I was a teenage fanfic writer panel, so I read one of them that was, like, a scene I had invent invented, but a lot of the time what I did was I would take scenes from the book, like, type them up, and then add myself in wherever. Sometimes I would take other characters' lines, so when I read it back, I was like, it seems like there's this ghost there who no one's listening to. <laughs> I was like, yeah, reading it, I was like, yeah, cool, but this scene would work without you. Actually, it did. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. Um, any, like, great headcanons that um, have come up with, like, the newer material? You know, I haven't read too much of the <laughs> newer material. Um, some of my friends have some really good headcanons. I just haven't, I just didn't get as deep into it as a lot of people have. And I feel kind of bad about that I'm, as a fan. And then I remember like how deep I've gone previously. 
So, what if Rod and Padma um, did make it work and it wasn't just erased? Like, what would that be? Well, their kid would not be named Bunju. <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, um, but, but I mentioned this, but I think you, yeah, I think you and I tweeted about this. Where like Black Hermione, and then I felt really bad because I was like, that sucks. Like there shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't be one or the other. Right. And I would love to see, I mean, Chris Child is casting for Broadway now. I would love to see that casting go different, too, because I've heard a lot of, like, and we've had these panels this past year, like, a lot of different people um, of different races and gender identities, like, identifying with Harry. Like, mm-hmm. like our friend Riley was saying that um, they read as Harry as, like, Brazilian, which was mm-hmm. really cool. I first read the books and I was like, oh, loads of messy black hair and green eyes. I'm Harry, am I not? Like, <laughs> Right. There are, really like, cool on Tumblr... On Tumblr, and it's really funny when we talk about like fan fiction and like fan creations. Like fan art was really like my thing because I felt like I could like consume it without having to like I can't draw, so like I'm just gonna consume what you guys do. But at a certain point, I think in my rereading, I had noticed that I was like reading Desi Harry because he's such a big part of like like fan art on Tumblr. Um, and he's so cute, and like, oh, you so. mean like, like my can? Oh, that wait, this is another opportunity. Uh, Daisy, Daisy Harry, Daisy, sorry, that, don't be sorry, this, but, is your, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're here for it, thank you. Um, so yeah, Daisy Harry, he's like Indian, um, just I think he's full first generation, second generation Indian, and um, he's so cute, like, all of the, all of the art on Tumblr um black Hermione and then now like an Asian like East Asian serious I think he's like Korean or something and Daisy Harry affects me on like a deeper level that I just didn't <laughs> know I had because like in general I respond to like attractive Indian men like they're absolute unicorns and it's Harry Potter like I'm already I think attracted <laughs> to Harry Potter Blood <laughs> Prince and I was talking to Hannah about this where we were like what Harry Potter character would you date and she was like I date Harry and I was like I think I did Harry too like He's cool, he's attractive, he's famous, but he's, like, appropriately tormented, which is kind of my thing. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> into it. So and if, so if you were, like, if you were, like, Indian too, like, shit, man. I'm just, go on oh. Tumblr, type it in, and be, like, they even have, like, you know, they do, like, the fan casting, so there's real people who you can, like, God. they have, like, put us, you know, Harry. And I read it now, and I'm like, I don't read green-eyed dark haired white hairy anymore I mean like oh, it's just so um, it's so fun and fascinating I really love it yeah and it's great that like having other people because I don't I don't think growing up growing up actually one of my really close friends um I'm gonna shout out Jay Dadhanya he he's not listening I don't think I've talked to him since like middle school but he was like one of my really good friends and I think we would look at each and I, I remember these like middle school moments because we grew up in Anaheim and it was super white and we would like look at each other like it's super white right <laughs> and so growing up I like I did have like my my one friend but it was also because like he was like the one indian kid and i was the one black girl and like who else are you gonna talk to um but i didn't have that like imagination and i think a lot of that comes from like what you see around you right so like at the most i would like 
make them black or something, but like going on and, and having the fandom like as wide and as global as it is, like introduce you to like other people. And then like, like you said, I mean, you live in New York. Um, so I think, and I I live in Oakland now, uh, but I live in Chicago. So we have an opportunity to have a more diverse like set of like inputs into our into our daily lives. But growing up, that wasn't the case. Um, at least for me. Um, and so I think that it, it is really great that you can have the internet like give you that diverse set of inputs that you wouldn't have thought of before. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now I'm going to go on Tumblr and like look at more race bent Harry Potter characters until oh, that's yeah. what I, I start to see. Um, it, 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 when you see them enough, that's what you start to like when you reread the books, that, that is what you start to see. Well, and one thing I want to shout out that you um, that just I thought of while you were talking, Robin, was um, this is upcoming. Uh, Netflix is adapting Thirteen Reasons Why. Well, they've adapted it. It's it's a show, um, and it's coming out at the end of the month. It's coming out on March thirty first, and that is a book that as so I read the book to prepare, like screen the show and write about it. And the characters in the book all have like really generic names, like Hannah Baker is the main girl, and like Courtney Crimson is a character, and so they all have pretty names but the show what the show has done really well i think is interpreting those so the main leads are still white but they're also i i mean they're also just fantastic actors who give like amazing performances but everyone else pretty much everyone else is really diverse like even down to like the teachers at school like they just they were like mr porter okay we can interpret this however we want and then so as a result they have again just a very engaging cast to watch because you just see all these different looking people living and working together and like interacting in the story so I want to plug that just because I really enjoyed it and I liked where where they departed from the novel and gave characters more backstory was in making them richer and more diverse in terms of like particularly um race and sexuality and so I really enjoyed seeing that I would also piggyback on that and plug I haven't seen it yet but like the stuff coming out about Power Rangers and Power Rangers is never really my jam like I I watched a few of them but the Power Rangers movie has been so like impactful to people and it just came out that I'm like okay I gotta go see Power Rangers now because there's like there's a person on the autism spectrum there's like you know sexuality gender uh race like diversity in this movie that is um made me realize too like I'm gonna now watch 13 Reasons Why is like even if I didn't read the books or it's not something that like I really connected to like I have friends that are like heavy Power Rangers fans um and that just was never me so I my thought when the movie came out was like I'm not really into them but I am into the idea that like you would take these things and be more thoughtful and be and flush them out and be more rich so i'm going to support those things so that that is what continues to happen so that when they take cursed child or what whatever when they redo harry potter as an when they redo harry series. potter in general <laughs> yeah <laughs> um they will see that like those are the things that are like you know they they are successful and they're viable and like you know what is that quote like be the change you want to see in the world so like yeah Gandhi. Do it by like, right? Do it by watching, watching the media you want to see in the world and supporting it, right? Yeah. Awesome. Um. So, anything that you want to like? Well, let's just get it. Like, what was what is your favorite Harry Potter book? Okay. 
Um, I, I go, I change this answer all the time. It's um, I really, I have really loved both Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince um, for different reasons. Order of the Phoenix, like nobody it's loves Order of the Phoenix. Cover. I love it so much. I, I love like everyone just, like, loves Order of the Phoenix. Because it's, it's objectively really? the best written book in the series. She took oh. her time. She went deep. She got like all yeah. these details and everything. And I love it. And I loved the rebellion aspect of it. I mean, obviously now more than ever, everyone's just like, yeah, let's fucking rebel. But <laughs> at the time I was just like, this is so good. And like, I loved seeing all of Hogwarts. Like even there's a scene with like Snape and Umbridge that Harry, like when oh, she's yeah. inspecting his class and Harry isn't sure who he wants to win. But I was like, team Snape, team Hogwarts. <laughs> like, <laughs> like one enemy at a time. Um, and then Half-Blood Prince, I think, as a novel, I think Half-Blood Prince stands alone really well. It's just, like, so tightly written, like, the humor, the story, the backstory, the balance of romance and darkness is mm-hmm. thrilling. I th- I just think that book is so fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, one of those books, Sirius dies, and the other one, he's already dead. So, I mean, sure, do you, but, you know, teach his own. What is your... <laughs> There's no good there's no good book for serious representation. Like Goblet Fire, he's living in a cave eating rats. I really love Prisoner of Azkaban. I just yeah, really and that's when he's a notorious able. mass murderer. I know. I just really standing over people's beds with a knife. Only one will die tonight. I really <laughs> love just like the fact that he has really lost it. He's just, <laughs> he's just oh, attacking the fat lady. Like, like, so I mean, much. I just really I don't know. Like, I, I really, bottom, they were so young. With his mouth, like broke his leg. Yeah, but I love Sirius. I mean, we've talked about this. I think I think my lack of my inherent lack of chill just lends me to loving (laughs) Sirius. And Sirius is at his height of no chill in Prisoner of Azkaban. So that's real. And then, like, and I think it happens to me a lot too, where people are like, "Well, I think I did this." Like, I kind of like went off on some girl on Twitter on accident because that's how I do. I was just, I was feeling really, I was feeling a lot of emotions and she was like, I felt attacked. And I was like, oh no, that's just how I talk. <laughs> I just like really like appreciate that part of serious Black's character. Like, oh. No, that's what I, you know what, that's what I appreciate about um, Order of the Phoenix where, um, so um, a friend of Olivia's um, invented, invented, I guess, or like asked a question last summer that like absolutely changed us all, which was which Harry Potter character are you at your worst? Oh, wow. Um, so, and my exact answer is that I'm Angry Harry on the outside, Cho Chang on the inside. <laughs> so, like, I read Angry Harry, and I'm like, yeah, I get like that. Like, my friends, like, forget to text me and loop me into plans. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And I go in all caps. Um, <laughs> but then I just want to come home and cry. <laughs> Damn. That's so real. So that is a great, that's a great question for you guys really to ponder as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to ponder that. I mean, I think it would just be serious all around. But then I'm also serious at my best. He's a fascinating That's character. Yeah, I was going to say Hermione cool. for me because I, I at her worst as well. Yeah. You're just full Hermione, which yeah, is kind of funny. It's kind of... Um, yeah, Promo, you're talking to a girl who would tell a three-month-old to use her words and, like, she wasn't making logical. It works. Now she's four. She's four years old, and she'll still say, That's not logical. And I'm like, Well, she's four, so... Well, she uses her words, so. <laughs> she learned. Good, good. Work, work. good, good. Um, what's your favorite movie? 
And are you, and I also have another question about that too. Are you able to separate, because I don't think that my co-host is, I can the s- books from the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I totally am. Just because like as a movie buff and like, like doing what I do for a living and like commenting on movies and adaptation a lot, um, I separate them. I have some frustrations, not even over the adaptation, but over like how they adapted it, where like it doesn't totally make sense in the movie verse because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they rushed it or like, and they just skip something together. And, acknowledge them. and sometimes, sometimes they were operating like kind of blindly. Like they didn't have all the books in front mm-hmm. of them, and they didn't yeah. have like, like people like us adapting it, which is what they should have. Like I would have dropped out of high school to do that. Hello. Right. Um, but right. my favorite movie is Deathly Hallows Part One. Right. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay, the one that just turns me into a pile of mush at the end. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's so beautifully made and like. The pacing is really great. I love the music. I love the mm-hmm. an, the tale of the uh, three brothers, the animated sequence. Oh, so the bad. action is like, it's just, it goes between like kind of lightness and just like intense violence. Like the wand fighting is crazy. The sky battle is crazy. Like the attack at the love goods is just, it, uh, but Zilda as a snake is, I just love that. Uh, it's really great. Yeah. Home's yeah. Really good. I think the, uh, we, when the, um, Oscars were on and Fantastic Beast won, and I realized that that was like the first win for the entire uh, Wizarding World. Um, mm-hmm. I got really upset because my favorite movie, I'm about to make someone really upset, and I'm sorry, is Order of the Phoenix. Um, I'm just deal with it. <laughs> just deal. Um, but objectively, in terms of like movies, and they're doing, and Casey, any of you guys are not i don't know amc has been doing a godfather's marathon and like the godfather has just like objectively beautiful like sets and scenes and like shots and like that last scene and the godfather part one where k or they close the door on k like literally michael closing his like Mm. life from her and putting her in a box of like domesticity like she's in the kitchen cleaning up and like you get all of that from a from a scene with no words like that to me is kind of i mean i'm not gonna say that like deathly hollows part one and deathly Hollows part two is like godfather but it's like on that level to me of like just an objectively like great film and like shots and scene selections and cinematography and animated sequences and like yeah the series took some time to get its footing and had different directors like I think I mean it would be weird to have that like the Deathly House part one cinematography for the first movie or something so I think it the progression is at times just because they switched directors but the evolution makes sense and I like that as they went on they realized that like oh these aren't just for kids like these can be really good movies like we can make some like true art here and that's yeah beautiful to see Right. Um, but then I always go back to the Dumbledore Voldemort duel at the it's amazing. ministry. It's so good. Um, so then, we, yeah, I just, so let's your favorite character and then we're going to do MVPs and bench. Okay. Favorite character. You know what? This is weird. This was before Deathly Hallows. My favorite character was Fred Weasley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read Deathly Hallows and I was just like, goodbye forever. No. <laughs> um, so I was like in the fetal position on my bed, just like crying. Um, but that's why besides... Fred? Because Fred is meaner than George, I think. Maybe that might be why. <laughs> <laughs> Fred also, he's just like funnier too, though. He gets more lines and he gets better ones. Um, mm. He was like, if you read it, it's, he's kind of very clearly coded as like the cooler or more prominent. Yeah, twin. 
um it was just funny i just like like the guy and obviously that's beyond like main trio like now i was rereading it and i was like i was like realistically like i would want to date harry i would probably marry ron um mm-hmm. there's just it's there's too much to unpack for like me emotionally <laughs> for what this all of this says about me like, um i i i constantly say that i'm gonna start giving or sending my medical bills or therapy pills to jk rowling because she gave me a thing for like gingers like how is that I chase it back. It's like, I, there's no other reason why I'm this attracted to redhead. <laughs> it's all Weasley. Um, okay, so we do this thing at the end of every episode where we name an MVP and we name someone who's benched. So um, in terms of Asian representation and the wizarding world in general and your relationship with the fandom, who is your MVP? Oh my God. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Does it have to be a character? It could be anyone. How does this? Because I think MVP is um, whoever wrote the BuzzFeed article about those awful Yule Ball outfits. <laughs> Done. Yes. It just made me laugh so much. Um, <laughs> and maybe MVP is also Harry and the Potters for writing the human hose pipe. But, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Such a good song. Who's benched? Um, well, benched, well, then I guess would be the costume designer for Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> Why are they are all wearing dress robes in the book? Like, who decided this was like the international fair? It's the Yule Ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get to that. I mean, again, it's cool to see this traditional outfit, but it's like realistically, if I was when I went to prom, I wore a prom dress. I wasn't like, let me break out my best sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. All right, Bayana, you have a MVP. Ooh, um, who's my MVP? I don't have to think about it. You go first. All right. So uh, my MVP would be both Proma um, and the con fandom for just like welcoming me with open arms. Like I was, I was so shocked that you guys would like adopt a weirdo like me and then be like, yeah, come in. We're all, that's what we're all about. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like that, that, that diversity, of thought and people in the fandom and like the in real life community. And then per usual, I bench JK Rowling, Warner Brothers and Universal Studios. (laughs) Do better. Um, Also, I'm like in the middle of being like, hire me to be your community manager at Warner Brothers um, and Universal Studios so I can help you better. So your benching is contingent. If you can get off the bench, is this bribery? Yeah, <laughs> it might be. I think it's incentivizing. It's incentivizing, yeah. There's a way, there's a very logical way for you to get off the bench. Just hire me. <laughs> All right, Bianca, okay. what are you feeling? Um, cool. So I think I'm gonna make I'm gonna make uh Joe MVP for um generally within like Harry Potter for writing like good objectively like pretty good Asian characters. I'm also going to bench her. <laughs> Because she should also do better. <laughs> yeah. I think that that is answer. great. I think that's a great answer. Um, because we should always, and then here we go again with my critical fandom thing, but we should always expect more of our faves. Like, you can do a good thing, but that doesn't mean that you can't do better. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Prema. Um, on yeah. Wednesday, we'll resume our regular schedule. Uh, where can people find you? 
they can, and what should they be on the lookout for? You can find me on Twitter and I guess Instagram if you're into that thing. Um, I'm promo what up on both, which is P R O M A, and then what up spelled like the normal way, nothing hip. <laughs> um, and what you can expect is um, a lot of uh, a lot of Harry Potter stuff, a lot of dance stuff, a lot of just like random thoughts about television and maybe some poop jokes from time to time. <laughs> Everybody, it's a good poop um, joke. Yeah, I mean, I swear I'm a smart, cool person, but it might just sometimes be dumb jokes like that. Um, yeah, and you can look out for, obviously, lots of fandom stuff. I'm super pumped for LeakyCon Dublin, and I know it's a track for a lot of people. It will be super worth it. So if you're thinking about it, if you're on the fence, like, Ryan speak to this, and I'm sure she has. Like, it's Luna is going to be there. So I don't care what, if I have to sell blood or an ovary, I'm going. <laughs> Yeah, I can speak to the amazingness that is LeakyCon and, like, the, everyone there. And, like, just, yeah. It's so and great. And the- it's been so good to have you, Robin, too. Like, it's been <laughs> wonderful to, like, welcome you into the fold. Like, our cons are richer with more voices. And I, this is the reason I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm, like, I'm probably going to, like, die at a con, too. Like, it's, <laughs> it is the best place. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I'm thankful that you guys are there as well because... I mean, as, as I, I really want to bring more people in, and I, I've talked about how I was hesitant, but, like, I just feel so dumb that I waited so long, you know? So, yeah. We're making up for it. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. So, Promo's really big on mischief management and all of the cons, and maybe we'll see you at Con of Thrones. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much for joining us and talking um, Potter. So we'll resume uh, our regular schedule. Next week on... we are talking um, chapter th- 23 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the Yule Ball. Um, y'all like and our we will scheduling point there. Out yes. <laughs> I'll just send you a bunch of pictures of like me at different weddings. Be like, this was better. This was better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, yeah. make sure to read and follow along. And if you want to join the conversation on Twitter, you can add us at We Black and Nerds and use the hashtag Wizard Team. And we will, you'll hear from us on Wednesday. Yeah. Thank you guys. We went to the coffee tea shop on our first date. And it started off great. And it was just fine But it soon turned into that awkward silence And I didn't know what to do next So we sat there with all the couples kissing And soon things began deteriorating Began turning into the human hose pipe. And then the next thing I knew, you were storming out, just leaving me wondering, Joe Chang, what have I done? 
I don't care where you and Cedric were snogging. Cho Chang, what have I done? I just want to replay this valid.